I do not buy dreams. I sell them. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fred's Take on Real Estate, the podcast where I equip and inform you to help you strategize for the best way to execute your real estate transactional needs. From North Carolina, I am Fred Johnson, broker with EXP Realty, and today I have a special guest. Um, it's great when your professionals also become your friends, and you know it was awesome being able to get connected with our guest today. I mean, he's been a godsend for somebody who is running his own business and, and really learning, you know, the financial components of what really makes my industry tick. And coming out of this pandemic, it has been insane. And you got to be able to work with people you can trust and, you know, can deliver uh, for yourself, for your clients, and also are willing to uh, provide insight, you know, so we can better inform you guys. So joining me today with Movement Mortgage is my good friend, Stephen Miglarese. How are we doing, sir? Fred, I'm doing good, my man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Thank you for joining us. And um, I feel like this is a long time in the making because we've had uh, quite a yeah. few caribou coffee uh, conversations where <laughs> we're just trying to figure out, like, man, how do we navigate this ever-changing market? How do we best try to, you know, inform people of what they need to know, what they don't need to be scared of? Let's try to dispel some things. So. Long time in the making, man. So thank you for making the time to come on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Of course. So, you know, as I was sharing with you and as you guys heard on the last episode, we were introducing the topic of how you can make your equity work for you. And, you know, we initiated the conversation of what a home equity line of credit is and how it can be beneficial. And we'll definitely dig into that deeper. Um, but a lot of times it starts with square one and square one for a lot of people was credit. And that's, you know, something that, you know, your financial institutions, your banks are going to be looking at heavily, your credit unions as well. And it's important to know that, you know, if you get a no now, um, what can be the pathways to getting a yes further down the road? And, you know, starting today, you know, I wanted to at least initiate the topic of, you know, what is your credit and why is it so important? And what are the banks looking at when they see that? So, Stephen, we're going to be leaning on your expertise. Um, so just first and foremost, you know, I introduced you with Movement Mortgage. So tell me a little bit about Movement. Yeah. So Movement is a national mortgage company. We're actually headquarters here in North Carolina. So our headquarters are in Charlotte. Um, we were founded by Casey Crawford, who used to play pro football and then kind of got into the real estate space, realized how badly the mortgage industry was kind of being run. This was 2007. So quite the time and said, I believe it was his partner, like his kind of referral partner, uh, Toby, but the two of them got together and said, we can do this better. And they, they made a mortgage company right in the middle of 2008. And people said they were crazy, but they had a vision of what they wanted to do with movement, which was essentially create a company that was for profit, that the profit went to a nonprofit. So Movement Mortgage exists to fund the Movement Foundation. And the Movement Foundation opens tuition-free charter schools, launches humanitarian mission trips all over the world, and puts money back into local communities through um, different different avenues. So like in Charlotte, there's a family clinic, and families in low-income neighborhoods can come to this clinic and get completely free health care. 
that's one of the things that the Movement Foundation does. So everything that Movement mortgages is completely for profit, but the profit goes to the Movement Foundation. That's awesome. Like that was part of like what made our connection initially, like right off the bat, it was great because for a lot of what we both do, it's working in the community. It's, it's building that rapport, you know, beyond just our scope of practice. Um, because you know it as well as I know it. And you even mentioned, man, in 2007, 2008, the crash was, was awful, but you know, people in our industry, uh, didn't necessarily do right in advocating for their clients and you know people really ended up in bad situations and it really hurt the public's trust with people who do what we do and uh for some people those those scars still linger man so it's you know when you when you just have everyday conversations with people you can still see some of the leeriness when people want to engage in that type of conversation and that's why a lot of times they work with people that come from word of mouth of others that they know like and trust and so um, no, man, I've always appreciated that about movement and what you guys are doing, man, because it's it's counter to what I think um, the perception may be <laughs> for, you yes. know, for a lot of lenders. Yes. You guys are in shirts and ties. You're sitting behind the desk and it's just like you're standing there with the denied stamp ready to, <laughs> you know what I mean, to just yes. smash on the application. And it's, you know, for not for a lot of people, it's not it's not like that. And certainly with you guys, it's, it's not like that at all. So. So let's dig in, man. So credit, credit. Why is it so important? Um, why is that such a point of emphasis when uh, people are coming to you guys and saying, hey, you know, um, we're looking to do this. We've been either we're in the process of wanting to purchase a home or we're in the process of wanting to take out an Equiline and our home has you know, appreciated to X amount of dollars for you guys. Uh, why is credit so important? So credit is truly the only effective way that a lender has to determine to determine your character and repaying the debt. So we can technically go out and get a bunch of references from people who have lent you money before, both personal and institutional creditors, but that would be ripe for mischaracterization and therefore mistreatment. So credit agencies have objective and very finite ways of measuring the quality in which you repay money. Are you on time? Do you overborrow for what you can actually afford and therefore have to not pay someone and pay someone else? So all those things are what we look at to determine if we're going to lend you new money because no creditor wants to be the straw that broke the camel's back. So if you can pay all your bills now, we don't want to throw something on you that's going to change that. We want to be able to continue having you pay your bills and, and thrive because then it's a win-win. The creditors get paid and you actually get to benefit from leveraging that debt. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I have even recently said, you know, coming out of the pandemic, there's been a lot of financial hardships for families, you know, not even just families, people in general. And, you know, there have been, you know, times where bills had to be missed here or there. And, you know, for some, they, they more or less could feel gridlocked in their current situation. You know, I can't my credits, you know, taking a hit. Rent is going up. I don't think I can afford a house because I can't really build a savings right now. Um, North Carolina's averaging being up in rent monthly two hundred dollars, um, and that's just across. I mean, we live in the triangle, and we know, <laughs> you yeah. know, the the this is a hub area right now, and it's hot, and the prices I'm sure have even gone above that. But in any event, you know, for people who have recently taken that hit on their credit, what are, you know, what are the ways in which you educate people and how they can start rehabilitating their credit? 
So really the, the biggest thing that's going to save your credit or keep it good is not ever getting to the point where the creditor says, we're closing the line. You can't borrow anymore. You don't have access to it. You just need to pay it back. It's either in collections or it's closed solely for the purpose of repayment, right? So you always want to keep things paid as agreed because that lets new creditors know whatever we agree to now, they have a history of paying that as we're agreeing to it. So you want to make sure as much as you can, your payments are paid within 30 days. If if you're someone who is, is struggling, you have a 30-day window. So it doesn't go to your credit before 30 days. If it's going to help you, use that seven days. It's not going to affect your credit. You may have other fees. That's something you kind of need to look at bill by bill on how they're going to hit you. But it doesn't go to your credit until day 30 being late. And that's really when you start seeing impacts on your credit and you start having problems is when you're not paying on time. Now, is it more advantageous for those who have gotten behind uh, by a couple months or what have you um, to set up these payment plans with these companies? Like, are there ways to avoid uh, further injury to your credit if you do find yourself falling behind? Or, you know, what what does that look like on the back end? Definitely. So there's we can look at it through the lens of mortgage, right? So forbearance became a really big thing during the pandemic, which was which is essentially just it will let you miss payments for X number of months because we believe that you'll make it up on the back end. So we're not going to report them as late. We've come to an agreement. So the loan is still paid as agreed because we've come to an agreement that you're not required to make the minimum payment now. And we'll just take these six months that you're not making the payment and move it to the end where you have to make the payment next. Right? So those work great. There's similar levels of forbearance for lots of different kinds of loans and lots of different kinds of debt. Um, I would say the important thing is to catch it early. So don't wait until you've had four 90-day lates to realize, I'm actually having trouble really paying this on time. I need some help. I need to go to the creditor and just ask for some help because maybe I'm between jobs. Temporary life events are very common. I think people have this level of of embarrassment or uncertainty around it. They're like, I can't just be honest with the, the creditor. And there's probably, there might even be an option. I'm between jobs. What, what are my options for the next 60 days? Because I can tell you right now, it's not going to be on time for the next 60 days. Well, there might be options. You asking doesn't have any negative impact. Man, I don't think we can reiterate that enough. Um, cause that point is true. I think that because of the shame or embarrassment or just the overall stress of the situation, it's easy to avoid. And the biggest thing is you don't want to avoid. And I, and I get it because these are faceless people on the phone, but at the end of the day, if you're thinking long-term, it's more advantageous to have the conversation. Like you said, it could, you know, the worst thing Absolutely. to say is no, but certainly having the conversation, uh, can be helpful. So, you know, beyond, you know, not getting too far behind and, and certainly keeping up with those regular monthly payments. Um, what are some other things that you may have encountered to help, you know, clients of yours begin to rehabilitate their credit? The biggest thing I see, and this is probably prevalent through all levels of income, credit scores are heavily dependent on utilization ratios. So what we're looking at as a lender is how much credit is available to you versus how much are you using? Because if you've got $10,000 available to you and you're using $9,995 of it every single month, 
objectively, that means that you're spending too much money because you need all the extra, you have your income that you're spending, and then you need that full $10,000 every month to be able to make ends meet in your, in your life. So comparative to your income, you're spending too much because you're utilizing too much of your credit. Most people, honestly, are not actually spending too much. They're just spending too much on their credit card at one time. And they don't have high enough ratios. So if you've got a $1,500 credit card, it's always going to be maxed out. You get four tanks of gas and a thing of groceries, and you're at you know $1,200 before you even have a chance to get home and pay it. So that typically is what affects people the most. And that'll keep your score down 30 or 40 points a lot of times, just based on the fact that it makes you look like you're spending more money than you actually have. When in reality, you could have $30,000 sitting in the bank account and you're just using your $3,000 credit limit credit card. And of course you're going high on that credit limit because it's so small. So a couple of things I tell people is if you can get a higher credit limit and don't change your spending. If you're spending $3,000 a month, you don't need a $4,000 credit card. You need an $8,000 credit card or a $10,000 credit card. And then don't change your spending. That'll automatically improve your credit. For people who have like the American Express, where it's just you pay what you charge, if you pay on the statement date, it's going to report exactly what the balance was. So basically, if I've got $5,000 outstanding on a credit card, at the end of the statement cycle, that's what it reports to the credit. If I paid that bill as soon as I got it and I paid off for $5,000 down to zero, I don't get any good reporting from that because the credit card already reported that I had $5,000 of my $5,000 credit limit outstanding on the day the statement ended. So if you're, if that's something you're trying to manipulate to make sure your score stays high, pay the balances weekly or biweekly. So that way, when the statement cycle cuts, you're not maxing out your available balance and then immediately paying it all off the next day or two days later, but not ever getting credit for that usage. It's going to make you look like you're using more credit than you actually are. That's excellent, man. Um, before we get out of here for this episode, can you share without, of course, any names or anything in particular, um, but what was one of the most dramatic credit turnarounds you've ever witnessed? Uh, um, and how long did it take as well? Part two. It didn't take that long. I would say it was about five years ago. Uh, the person's name is Emily. I think it probably took her about nine months. And it, this kind of fits right together with with a way that people could use equity loans, right? Like kind of what you were talking about in the last episode. We she had a, a couple debts that were that were pretty hefty. I think it was just some un, like just some personal signature loans that she had just accrued over time. The interest rates were pretty unforgiving. So the payments were high. So she was having trouble making ends meet every month. She wasn't able to save. She was literally living paycheck to paycheck because so much of it was going to these debts. But she had a car that was pretty much paid for. And this is when I was working at a bank. Through just collateralizing the car instead of the unsecured debt, we dropped her interest rate probably on average 10%. Gave her a lower fixed payment. And then she was able to keep making 
pretty much similar to the same payments every month and paid it off. And then I still have, I still have the card she sent me because about six months after that, she sent me a little postcard in the mail. that was a thank you for helping her get out of debt. And she was able to buy a house. And it, it means a lot to me. So I still keep it, but that's, that's probably the biggest one. Her, she came to me before her score was really that effective, which is probably my other advice to folks is, is don't wait until it gets too bad. Look, look for help, look for advice as you start noticing that things aren't going the way you thought, right? Because you started a 780, you've got a lot of time before it gets to a 500. And that's the time to take action. Don't wait until you're at a 500 and be like, oh, now I really need to work on this. Because you have a lot more options the higher your score is, and you can probably avoid that addressing it sooner. So her score only probably went up 50 or 60 points, but her life totally changed. Yeah, right. With just a, a a small or maybe even marginal, you know, shift, it can really unlock yeah. you know a lot of opportunity. And you know, part of why I do this podcast is for that very reason. It's being able to just help people through the process. And the process doesn't start, you know, from my my thing when you want to sell your house or when you're wanting to buy a house. It's when you're wanting to, you know, you start to think about it. You're brainstorming. It's like, okay, maybe this is something I want to do in a year or so. You know, it's okay to do that reaching out. You know, some professionals may not want to take their time, but again, one of the reasons why we connected so well was because we are those professionals that do. And so, you know, we certainly delight in the process of our clients and we like seeing, you know, them go from square one to the end game. So, um, man, Stephen, thank you again, man. Dropping incredible gems, man. So where can the people, you know, contact you? How can they get in contact with you? I'll certainly have your information in the description, but feel free to share it now as well. I mean, you can always, you can Google me. My, my personal website will come up and that's got everything you need if you wanted to, to start the application process with me. You can also find me on social media at, at The Rape Doctor. And uh, I'd love to get in touch with you if you need anything. Most definitely. I can vouch for him, y'all. He's, he's incredible. Um, and again, we'll have all your information in the description. Steven, my man, you got a new addition on the way. Congratulations, man. That's right. Soon enough. Soon enough. Who needs sleep, right? Who needs it? We don't need it. We don't need it. Come on now. Never heard of it. What's your name? Uh, <laughs> my man, thank you as always. And guys, thank you for, for checking us out. You know, for, for any feedback on this episode, please feel free to reach out to Steven or myself. As always, uh, like, rate, subscribe, comment. But thank you guys for checking it out and sharing with a friend. Um, you guys, in the meantime, be good to one another. Take care. Peace. Bad dreams. I sell them.